Hi, and welcome to the July 19th, 2000 edition of the Big Monkey Podcast, recorded on-site at Big Monkey Comics, located at 1722B, 14th Street, in Washington, D.C. Here, in an Arctic fortress, which, thanks to global warming, is getting smaller by the minute, five guys <laughs> get together to ponder those questions that have plagued us for years, such as Citizen Steel, All Man or Tube Sock. This is the Big Monkey Podcast. I'm Ben Hatton, writer of Those Wednesdays, and I'll be your MC for the next hour of comic discussion and debate. I want to thank you listeners for coming back after a slightly longer than usual break between shows. The plan is to make up for this time by recording another show next week, so stay tuned. As usual, joining me are four guys who know way more about comics than I do. So let's do some introductions, starting with directly to my right. I'm John Brooks of John Hex Lives. I'm John Carey, I still like Facebook. Skip Garling with the Absorbus God. And I'm Devon Sanders of 7L. <laughs> Said slowly. For our first topic, we're going to talk about Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow. With a new origin story, an impending marriage, and a new series, big changes are in store for DC's first Archer. Of course, the question really is, are these changes for the better? But before we get to that, I want to ask you guys, what has Green Arrow, as a character, said to you guys over his history as a character, or if he said anything at all? And Skip, we're going to start with you. Oh, why is that? Is that because I hate Green Arrow? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. My hate for Green Arrow is almost legendary. Um, everybody knows Green Arrow is kind of a sad Batman knockoff. And they tried to do something different with him. Uh, Denny O'Neill did in the 70s. Um, and I get that. I just hate what they did with him. <laughs> and he's... Uh, uh, they haven't done anything really much with him since... They're trying to do something new with him, and I like that. I like this new Green Arrow series. This is the first time I've ever been able to stand Green Arrow because I got a sense that he was a worse person when he started and he's becoming a better one. My problem with Green Arrow has always been it seemed like the Golden Age Arrow was a great guy like all other heroes and he's just gotten to be more of a schmuck as time goes by. <laughs> Thanks. And now they're trying to reverse that. Carrie? Green Arrow is every, well, schmuck's a good word. He's every guy on a college campus who tries to get me to vote, except he then puts on a mask and shoots at people he determines are criminals. So I've never understood how he's both a liberal and a hardline Republican vigilante simultaneously. <laughs> it doesn't really go so much. I, Green he Arrow's to the Cato Institute. Maybe he belongs to the Cato Institute. Does the Cato Institute mean he, he, he wears really dumb hats? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the deal? Like, he's dressed up as Robin Hood, and he's fighting crime. I mean, aces for the 1940s, dude. But, like, at this point, let it go. <laughs> Little too thematic for no. me. I don't know. Brooks? I don't know. He just seems like a character stuck in one place, pretty much. Where he's just like this. He's just like this <laughs> liberal. my turn. <laughs> he's just like this liberal, hypocritical lich who got like baby mamas all over the earth, and he just keeps, you know, telling other heroes how to be better, and then yet, no one wants to be Green Arrow. You're like, oh man, he's right, but damn man, put it in your pants. That's Green Arrow. Yeah, that is Green Arrow. Has there ever been a Green Arrow? Halloween costume for kids. That's what I want to know. Probably, Probably not. Probably not. Robin Hood. It's got like a crotch. <laughs> the Beyonder one for that count. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a crotchless Green Arrow costume. Devon? Uh, you know, it's kind of funny, but like, you know, liberal hero with multiple baby mamas, it's kind of me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh... In all seriousness, He's still single, <laughs> and we wonder why. Sold the babies. <laughs> no, uh, you know I've never given much thought to Green Arrow. It was just like <laughs> seriously, you're wrong. No, it's because I'm right. No, it's just like Green Arrow is the type of character where, like, if you just stick Green Arrow on the cover with the DC bullet, somebody's going to pick it up. It doesn't matter much who's in there. You know, uh, what's his name? Connor Hawk was Green Green Arrow. <laughs> You did a good um, job. John John Brooks was Green Arrow for a little bit. <laughs> I, I kicked that. ass. <laughs> exactly. You were the black Green Arrow of the 70s. I remember that now. Yeah. Open yeah. collar chain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
said sweet Christmas. But yeah, yeah the damnedest but thing. But you know, really. it's like the only way that you could make him interesting was to make him like different from everyone else. So then he had to be belligerent, and he had to start acting like a. He had to start acting kind of marvelish, actually. Um, oh, Ben. Uh, and you know, and that's what that's what his hook is. He's 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 the belligerent one. It's he's the one who's fighting to get a Negro in the Justice League. Um, he's the one who's always trying to put the Flash back in his place um, with his stupid, like you know, haircut and stuff like that, um, dude. He is one of okay. the Okay. Go, Ben. Go, Ben. Go. We have five minutes and 40 seconds of you guys bashing the crap out of Green, Lantern, Green Arrow so far. Wait, Ben, let me check your Green Lantern, too. Like, I, I hate you guys. But Olive and Queen have a mama? No. <laughs> I'm actually a. But big... remember, we know more, a lot more about comics than you do. Mm-hmm. That yourself. All right, self admitted. <laughs> So I'll speak for the for the incomer, for the everyman. <laughs> just like Man, Green, yeah, just like Green Arrows and Star on the Cover <laughs> seems like a great idea. <laughs> We're li- go, go Ben, no, go. No, go I actually really like the Green Arrow as a character because you know it's easy to go don a suit and fly around and fight villains when you can't get hurt. When you when you can't. Like, <laughs> are you saying it's easy for Batman? Then? No, but I'm saying, but I've always found Green and yes, Green Arrow started as a knockoff of Batman. What I find more engaging about Green Arrow over Batman is Batman has to do it. He ha- he's so obsessed that you know he's so guilty or whatever that he's doing it because for selfish reasons. Green Arrow goes out there because it's right, because he sees an injustice. Are you saying a man wears a hat with a feather in it because (laughs) he's not crazy? No, I didn't say he's not crazy, but what I'm saying is if I believe that if if Green Arrow was like, you know what, I could better the world by making pizza or by owning an art gallery or whatever over vigilante crime, he would hang up the rest. He head. almost certainly has a pizza-making arrow, I believe it's in the showcase. That's right. No, I have to give it to Ben on this one. I agree with you. He's an engaging character. I, I, he has changed. You know, I, I don't agree with your analysis of Batman, but that's another argument. That's a different time. Um, Green Arrow, uh, uh, was it you on your blog, or was it Mike Pellegrino on his blog, or was it Johnny on your blog? Some, somebody's blog. Uh, they were talking about Green Arrow, yeah. and they were saying, it was Mike. Um, Green Arrow really doesn't have any reason that he has to be a hero, right. and that's kind of what makes it cool. Right. Um, I, have to, I have to give Green Arrow credit. I don't believe, Green Arrow may be a jackass, but Green Arrow is not his own ultimate concern. Mm. Right. You know, he's not sitting out whining about his life or having lost his fortune or, you know, whether Aunt May is needs her heart medicine right. or something, you know, it's like she really needs it, right? <laughs> and that's about her. <laughs> See, here's my here's my take changed, on Green though. Arrow. But here's my take on Green Arrow. Green Arrow is one of those characters is only as good as the person who's writing them. Damn right. It's yeah. like he's not Batman, where it's like, oh, it's Batman. I have to write a good story. It's just like, oh, it's Green Arrow. I have to write Green Arrow. I have to write a story. I'm challenged. Where Green right. Arrow can solve this case. Right. Like, that's the <laughs> that's the inherent problem with Green Arrow. You're dealing with a guy who. Who's like limited by what he can fit in his backpack? You know, like he's gonna pull out an arrow that makes somebody into a freaking mummy. You know, like that happened. You know? <laughs> Who thinks ahead that hard? Yeah. The, like he's the like a boy arrow. scout, yeah. man. He's a, yeah, but there's a Green Arrow is almost like you know how a guy gets old enough where he thinks now it's okay for me to be making an HO scale model railroad in my basement crime don't, fighting don't start is with Oliver John Green's Karen. tiny railroad okay. uh, on your right you will see a man fighting crime All right. I, I want to keep I want to move on for a second question for just you know we can continue green arrow bashing after this okay. question yeah. sorry um, and the question is um, in what September August there's a you know there's a what five issues coming out all about him getting married. Um, uh. I'm kind of excited about the storyline, <laughs> of course. Um, do you think this is a positive step for he's the character? A, he's got a lot of appearances or not out for a man without a damn book. I know <laughs> yeah, for real, Carrie. You have issues with Dude, the. I barely want to go to my college roommate wedding. <laughs> I mean, I just went to one. I had to go to Albany to do it. That, who cares? It's a wedding. How is it five issues? <laughs> 
lord, he's getting married to a character he's been dating on and off for like There's my years. entire lifetime. <laughs> Rad. Way to tie the knot. All know? right. Like, <laughs> but as it stands for the character. As it stands for the character, it should have been in his own book if he could have supported one. Mother of God. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, I think it is both a step up and a step down for Green Arrow. It's a step forward, at least, in his evolution as a character. Right. Getting out of the lech stage, he's trying to be a little more personally responsible. Um, he's trying to he's trying to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Right. And I get that, and that's that's a good step for the for him as a character. But I think DC is also, at least I hope so, recognizing Green Arrow just doesn't cut it much by himself, and basically he's going to become. Mrs. Black Canary, and which drives me crazy. Amen. Which is, I think, just fine. That's a great role for him. It's like, uh, you know, here you're the babysitter. You look after Roy's child. You know what? I don't look, want. Like, I don't need like Black Canary's. Child. I don't need yeah. Black Canary to like. You know, I don't want Black Canary as a character to be a second. You know, a second-rate character to Oliver Queen, like she has been for years. But I'd like like an egalitarian comic. It's Black Canary and Green Arrow on the series, not like. So like Black Widow and Daredevil. Right, it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like I married Black Canary. Yeah. Well, that's what I'd, <laughs> I'd read that if it was a fifty-style romance. Comic. I love yeah. Dinah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Too many Dinahs. Nowadays. I mean, it, it does. <laughs> seem, loves Ollie. <laughs> it does seem that they that despite the fact that there's this marriage coming out, they DC is working at marginalizing and taking the Green Arrow out of the out of the DC universe. Especially since they tossed his sidekick into the right. Justice League over his him ju- no the, Right. You know, he's not even the A-list Arrow anymore. Right. right. There How are two of yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Green I, Arrow is still the A-list Arrow, but he's just been stepped down for some... Meltzer-like reasons. <laughs> I mean, but I have no problem being having Arsenal as in the Justice League. It's having me like, you don't even have an identity anymore. But, but see, it's like with Green Arrow, it just doesn't matter. It's like with New Edition. If like Johnny Gill joins Ouch. New Edition and Bobby Brown leaves, who gives a damn? I care. Really? I New Edition? Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like... It, How can you... Go to Wikipedia, people! <laughs> go to the Urban Dictionary. Look up... New edition. <laughs> New edition. No, plus, noun. like, awesome. And yeah. I know that this whole Black Canary thing is for another podcast. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I was going to bring that up at the end, Devon, but that's okay. cool. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't get to read your notes. <laughs> but anyway, no. What trumps Black Canary? As, oh, no. Oh. No. <laughs> over, what, what puts uh, Black Canary over Green Arrow is Conagher. She's mm, a Conagher creation. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you who created Green Arrow. It's right. just, Ouch. she's just, oh, I'm not even going to get The same man this. who created Aquaman. Ooh. So? <laughs> <laughs> no. just, just so you know, Skip. But, but, <laughs> but we know who created Aquaman. But the man who created <laughs> Metal Man, God created Sergeant Aquaman. Rock, who created Lady Cop, created <laughs> Black Canary. Created Dr. So, Domino. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that's why... Dominance. Green Arrow doesn't rock. That's why it's okay for him. This character's been around for 66 years. He's the first character to be inducted, and the first non-charter character to be inducted into the JLA, which means that he wasn't just, he didn't happen to be there. They're like, hey, you're a good superhero. Hey, you showed up. Like, right, <laughs> hey, but they didn't do that. Arrow <laughs> boss. Yeah, like, <laughs> they inducted him for, for mer- as a merit as a character, and I'm, you know, I think he's a good character. You can't argue that a character is good because characters in a story said he was good. No, honestly, <laughs> 40 but, years right, ago. but they wrote him well. So, but yeah. here's the deal with Green Arrow. It's like the Justice League wanted to play four and four basketball, <laughs> and they brought him. <laughs> <again. laughs> we need a guy with an awesome beard. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! It's like we need to even up this game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, your little brother knows how to play. No, no. Bitch, I played Cast of the Flame. That's my right. war. We'll, that we'll take Ollie. I'll, I'll, All give, right. I'll give him credit for this. Um, Green Arrow and Black Canary are both Golden Age characters. That have yes. survived. And that's that's very important. There are six... Is it six? There are six such characters. Right. They're totally... They're doing pretty pretty well with the big three. They're totally screwing up Aquaman. Yeah, that's a different Amen. subject. Um, More and fun what, comics. And what they're, <laughs> what they're doing with Black Canary and Green Arrow, I think, is okay... We can't get them to stand on their own. Let us put them together. 
But they should stand together as opposed to like no. oh, yeah. well, in the shadow of her fishnets. Hey, it, it, oh. I, I'm with Ben. Which I'll be all right I'm willing with to see whether it might work. It's one of the things which has made Hawkman and Hawkgirl and, work well together. Right. Well, I mean, but Green Arrow was more or less an Erstad's Green Arrow and Black Canary comic, like in the Mike Grell era, right? And, and that was twenty years ago. So, I, I can accept it. It's just a matter of it seems like they're doing the same thing they've already done, but now they've made an event comic out of it. And he's which not appears right. to be DC's status quo for the last two, three years. Well, so. It's been a long time. The last person to get married was Superman. Well, no, not what I mean. I mean, they're just making something into an event that could have just happened in a book. In an issue. Right. You know, like, it, it didn't need to be a miniseries. Black Canary didn't need to get a miniseries to raise awareness for it. You <laughs> well, know, Devon has theory about but the, that. But that's a, you know... There's a reason, the, I think. But. You know, an event is a... Whether or not we need all the events that are going, I think, is a discussion for a, it's a, different, a later don't. podcast. No, we don't. <laughs> but that's okay. End the story. my contribution. But, uh... Yeah. So, any final thoughts on Green Arrow that could be a little nicer, maybe? No. <laughs> I am finally willing to give him a break. I like what's going on in this new miniseries. I like the idea of him as, like, the male Paris Hilton, who, who, who suddenly finds meaning in life through crime fighting. As opposed to being in jail. Um, yeah. <laughs> the polar opposite. Uh, I'd like to see him spend some time with Mr. Terrific, somebody who actually has his act together, mm. <laughs> but comes from a similar, you know, mm. crime fighting saved his life. Yeah. viewpoint um, and I you know as much as we all love Birds of Prey and Gail Simone's writing I like I like the idea of getting Black Canary out from that sure and this is helping do that so. cool so. that's the best I got on Green Arrow I like well. to wear his Barney Rubble shirt that's kind of cool <laughs> alright yeah. thanks for I was going to originally my note said thanks for all your opinions but I guess thanks for your bashing of the topic <laughs> <laughs> Um, and as Devon, crime, huh? <laughs> dude, uh, and as Devon uh, suggested earlier, just so uh, you guys know, we're going to be recording. As I said, we're going to be recording again next week and talking about the other side of this relationship coin, Black Canary. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. Uh, and now, a dramatic reading from listener Alan Mott. The House of Glib is proud to present to you. A dramatic reading featuring the human bomb as he appears in The Left Hand of Oblivion from Freedom Fighters Number 4, written by Martin Pascal and read by Alan Mott. Say, what's that odor? Don't people on Earth X bathe? It's just me. Purpose, old windbag. I can't take this suit off the way I could on Earth X. The teleporter that gave Sandy her new power also made all of me explosive, not just my hands. So I can only shower in a special lead lined chamber back at our headquarters. But I haven't been able to get back there for a week since your goons have been chasing us all over the city. So if the air gets a little ripe around here, Mr. Pearson, it's all your fault, you turkey. For our second topic, we're going to talk about the uh, Big Scroll reveal. Uh, for those listeners out there who don't know what we're talking about, uh, Brian Michael Bendis put in, uh, what was it, two issues ago of Avengers now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Revealed that Skrulls have been infiltrating the Marvel Universe, impersonating characters. Although the only one that we know so far was that Ele- it was Elektra. And, um, I want to... Really? Yeah, it was Electra. <laughs> oh no, it what? was Jennifer Garner. Spoiler oh, alert! Sorry, she had a man chin. So, Jesus. So, um, I want to know what your guys' impression of the reveal is. Are you excited that the storyline is in the works, or does it come across more as a cheap way of you know God in the machine? Oh no, Civil War was just a scroll plot. And Skip, you were like chomping at the uh, bit, and so we'll start with you. It's because I think this is the best thing since sliced bread. Jesus. The scroll reveal <laughs> is wonderful. I don't care whether they planned it. I will believe their lives if they want to say that they've been planning this for Bendis years. Bendis said he's been planning it since the second page of New Avengers number one. Nonsense. <laughs> Shovel faster. That's lies. okay. I want to believe it. Deceive me. 
Deceive me, scrolls. Um, it's a. I think it's a. It's a. No, seriously, it's a great use for these characters who haven't been used very well in the past. They were kind of like disposable cannon fodder, um, but now they have an actual plan which utilizes their tactical advantage. It's a great way of Marvel possibly fixing some of the damage they've done with their own mischaracterizations. And you know, for those of you who think that that's a cop out, hey, I, you know. I sit there and nod like, okay, Superboy punched the wall of the universe. I'll buy that. <laughs> you know, the scroll reveal is perfectly in the context of everything that's gone before in Marvel, and I think it's great. Devon? <laughs> um, I'm just waiting for the issue where, like, everyone suddenly starts realizing that they've had sex with scrolls. That's what I'm waiting for. They um, Honestly, it's just... <laughs> Put on the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just uh, this whole scroll reveal... It just seems a little bit too convenient um, because, and I've talked to Ben about this numerous times, about how during Civil War, you know, Mark Millar, who isn't from around here, you know, <laughs> was writing uh, Civil War. And he was like, you know what, any country wild enough to, like, vote this man in twice, you know, they have to be, like, pro-registration and all this other stuff, but then, like, when it actually the book actually came out and the fans were like, We don't like this registration thing. What the hell is this? And so suddenly you had like, you know, all these characters like acting weird, like Iron Man. Iron Man, it's like for better lack of, you know, a person to be like the evil dictator, it's Iron Man because, you know, Hawkeye's not gonna be it. So Iron Man suddenly starts acting the way that he wouldn't necessarily would have before. And then, you know, now it's like, well, wow, the people don't like this registration thing, even though we're still doing all this initiative stuff. And how are we going to solve it? Scroll Scrolls. Yeah. yeah. It's a cop-out. It is a total cop-out. Johnny. It sucks. It's I mean, I don't want that to be the reason <laughs> right. Iron Man I want him to be a bad. jerk. Pretty much. I mean, like, they already had him. Why do be jerks? They already just one. Because Iron Man <laughs> is a jerk. He does things to protect his own identity, to protect his ass, and he doesn't pretty much accept other people's like he doesn't really go to other people like can you help me he just kind of goes I got this plan we're going to do it and don't get in my way but like a he's char- like I'm drunk you wear my armor <laughs> right. for a while I mean, a character yeah. should be responsible that. yeah, that's great. for his own for his own actions right and if they start writing in like hey it's forgiven because you know you were a scroll oh you were really in some pod in a scroll spaceship Superboy Prime his punching didn't forgive like the Joker for beating to death Jason Todd. It just added a different layer to that. I want characters mm. who are responsible weird, weird, for their own actions. Otherwise, what's the point in reading like a character who's just going to be like, "My bad," you know? Uh, <laughs> I was an alien. Yeah. I've been in a tube for the last fifteen. I'm not sure they should do it weekly, but I mean, I'm kind of going to. I'm hoping to find out. Have you read comics before? Once they have like one opening, once there's one loophole, that's it forever. Like that loophole is going to be exploited. There'll be scrolls that haven't been scrolls. All I want is the discovery, you know, in the in the miniseries that that the Green Arrow that Denny O'Neill created is a scroll. You know, the real one from the, the 50s, real one's so you know, boring. He's, he's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. He pops out with a boomerang arrow. Yeah. Take that, alien! Yeah. <laughs> yes! And it goes back around! Yes. Tactical nuke it, it would be a diamond tip arrow. Yeah. No, it would be it, a boxing glove right. arrow. But I want... I really do want to... I don't want them to cop out because Civil War, if it was done by Skrulls, that entire series becomes worthless. What? And it's not no, like they no, haven't pulled it before. The I mean, pre-scroll war, there was a scroll dressed up as a senator for the duration. He started it. That right. was his deal. Like that was the second scroll plot ever, and that was uh, uh, God. I can't remember his name. The guy who had a really long run who hated women. <laughs> Howard Chaykin. Wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Singer. No. no. Oh, After yeah. Stan Lee, before Roger Stern. Inglehart. Uh, no, before, no. before Engelhardt. Roy right, Thomas? Yeah. Roy, Roy Thomas, Thomas yeah. <laughs> Roy like, Thomas wow. did that to tie up all the scroll plot lines from Fantastic Four. The Kree Scroll War did that, like, in 1968. Although, yeah. you know, Brian Michael Bendis did come along and threw in Illuminati, which is like, this is actually, oh, God. this yeah. is a, this is a, you know, the scroll invasion apparently is a, it's just, the yeah, Kree yeah. 
Right. <laughs> That's a I just want to make sure. I was like, you let's confuse for a second. But, you know, he came along and he said, this is all harkening back to that storyline. This is all fallout of when they destroyed their city. Because the only <laughs> continuity that exists with Brian Michael Bendis is continuity that Brian Michael Bendis wrote. <laughs> like, mother of God. But uh, Kurt Bosiak pulled the same thing with Space Phantoms during <laughs> Avengers Forever. And the only character he didn't save from being like any mischaracterization with Space Phantoms was Yellow Jacket. He just said, you were a dick to begin with. You know? <laughs> but Tony Stark was screwed over by uh, Space Phantoms. Uh, and always be Kang the Conqueror. And Kang the Conqueror, yeah. That, but, I mean, the whole thing, like, if it was a scroll plot and there were people in the government who were scrolls and tried to push this registration in, and then everybody else just kind of went wacky about that, I can, I can accept that. But to just say that the ones who joined the pro-registration side were all scrolls because that, like... I don't know, makes it better, that fixes everything, it doesn't, it's stupid. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah, no, I'd agree, it shouldn't be everybody, but but to me, it, it's pretty damning that, okay, a f- just a few well-placed scrolls can drive a wedge among all these people, I, I think that's, by I that's, see- that's more meaningful in Civil War, and I, and right. if, if I were somebody like Iron Man, or whoever has, well, or, or if I were right. being replaced by a scroll, and I'd be like, dude, you couldn't tell that was not me? I, I've said it before, but like, I want Tony Stark to have been a fallible. I want I want my human, the characters, to have to have fallacies, to be weak, to be able to be manipulated by having the head of one side being a scroll. It takes away. Then it just becomes black and white. Oh, we fought. Yeah. You know, we fought the alien invaders. No, it, it means that everybody else was manipulated yeah, but by but an alien instead of by Tony the Stark. The two people leading leading the charge be human, manipulated by outside forces. Yeah. I want. Uh, I've said this before, I want the mother who came out of the crowd exactly. and spit in Tony Stark's face and been like, my baby died, you're a bastard, Stark. Yeah. I want her to be a scrawl and manipulate the human. Because that, I don't mind someone being manipulated, I just want the, the impetus to have been, to be a character who has faults. Mm-hmm. And that's, more, that's a more interesting storyline <laughs> exactly. to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Because then it's like a human character and not... Plus, if they'd been planning this all along, why wouldn't the ending of Civil War have been, bam, I'm a scrawl, instead of, oh, I was wrong. I, the, the ending of Civil War was like the biggest fizz out in history. Like, like bam, it's Captain Except Marvel. for Green what? Arrow 75. What happened there? I exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. Hold on. Um, yeah, it was all right. But I want to ask one more question that kind of, that jumps off of the idea of planning it for so long, because... You know, we know Marvel's not great at planning things <laughs> for a whole lot. It's like claiming it. It's like it's like bam, here's House of M. Bam, here's Decimation. You know, like things don't really lead from one to the other. Um, however, we saw World War Hulk be built up over a year. Mm-hmm. Brian Michael Bendis and is now going to take a year to do the scroll reveal. And he's claimed that he's been building it for two years. Are we seeing a shift in how Marvel's approaching writing? We're seeing a shift towards how Brian Michael Bendis paces stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're planning further in advance. That is normal Bendis pacing. Yeah. It's like, I'm just going to take my time over. That would have yeah. been like Throw two stuff pages in at the beginning of a Roy Thomas story. Yeah. It would have been Mother of But Greg right? Pack took his took a year to get to, to build you know up his that, anger. But, but that was a happy accident, yeah. in all honesty, because it was like you could not drop the Hulk into the middle of the Civil War because he totally would have been overshadowed. But if you have him on like a, another planet for like a year and a half, building up his rage towards the Illuminati, <laughs> and you know, and he and you know, the Illumina- Illuminati's like doomsday device goes doomsday, and the Hulk says Earth, and he comes back to Earth in the middle, in the aftermath of Civil War, in the aftermath of House of M. Then it's like now you have a story. Otherwise, it just would have been well. Which side is the Hulk on? Mm. This way, with World War Hulk, the Hulk side is the Hulk side. No, I'm just trying to say that House M kind of like related right into Decimation, just so you know. That's true. I meant <laughs> to say, like, Civil War didn't... Even, they tried to make the thing, Civil War was a result of paranoia out of... That made no sense. Right, <laughs> out, out of, like, no one remembered House of M. <laughs> but then, no one... I don't even get that. This is the fact that all music on made people like extra paranoid. That makes no sense. Everyone is like powerless. 
Like, wow. We're scared of normal human beings. Right. <laughs> Jubilee might get a stick. It well, could be pointy. We're, squ- we're scared of normal human beings still wearing those strange costumes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Blob's so. extra skin is creeping me out. Ban <laughs> <laughs> that mother. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Just to wrap things up, uh, before we start talking about extra skin, um, I want to say, who do you think is a scroll and why? I want to start with Carrie. I don't uh, think Carrie's a scroll. Dead Captain America. <laughs> Dead Captain America. Dead Captain America. Or he's either a scroll or an LMD or something. <laughs> Who cares? He's going to be back. <laughs> Brooks? Who do I think is a scroll? Uh, I don't know. Hank Pym? Vod? <laughs> 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 uh, Joe Quesada is a scroll. Damn it, you took my answer! <laughs> Skip? Aunt May. <laughs> and she did come out of the day mysteriously. <laughs> Spider blood, dude. Just, just say power pack. Yeah, power pack. There you go. We'll swap all answers. One They're all one scroll. <laughs> Julie Power in Loners is a scroll. Do you That's see that we all hold up. hands? <laughs> what Let's is it? Zavin is a scroll. There you Zavin go. Is a scroll. Is that why power pack <laughs> goes is a to scroll. the bathroom right. together? Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Or like the other four would be peeing wherever they were. <laughs> All right. And on that note, it's time, getting somewhere. it's time for an advertisement done by Brad Reed. 2030's vid season brought you thrills. Now it's 2031. Time to be where the action is. <laughs> Don't miss the new adventures of Mark Thrust, Sexist Ranger. Starring Ruben Flag, provocative adventures of a fearless vice back, walking the mean streets of an unnamed, untamed, and sexually transmitted disease-riddled sector of a great urban metroplex. Ooh. Produced entirely by Tromplography. Brought to you each week by Consenso Research. You wanted, you got it. A division of Amplex USA. This advertisement was adapted from American Flag Number no. 1 by Howard Chaikin, published by First Comics. For our third and final topic, we're going to be talking about indie comics. I know this is a big topic to try to tackle in 15 minutes, uh, but we're going to give it our best shot. Uh, with the number of web comics growing, it feels like by the minute, and places like ComicExpress.com, it seems like everyone who wants to put out a comic now has the means. What is it about today's industry that is causing this boom? Are writers trying to fill a hole, or is it simply because the means are available? And we're going to start with Devon. Um, it's because the means are available. It's like you don't necessarily need DC or Marvel to back you up if you actually have an idea nowadays. You know, that's why, like, you know, the five of us sit around blogging and stuff like that. That's why people were doing zines back in the 90s. And for creative people with ideas, independent comics totally, you know, fill that void. Skip? Well, I was just thinking about this tonight. I was reading Crazy Mary on whoiscrazymary.com. That's my indie cred. That's about all I got. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Devon's right. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody who's using the technology... It, it, I didn't say mean, quality. I actually mean <laughs> that it's bad. It's, uh, it's a new era of uh, technology creates egalitarianism. Sure. Um, which creates a potential meritocracy. And yes, that means everybody, it's, it's easy for people to put out crap as right. it is for them to put out good stuff. So yes, you get a lot of crap, but that also, it's kind of like cable. But it also means you get the opportunity to experience good independent stuff that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. Carrie? What you couldn't see was that Skip did that entire last segment wearing a purple smoking jacket, <laughs> gradually swirling a snifter of brandy while smoking a pipe and adjusting his monocle. <laughs> Point is, <laughs> they're both right. I just, I ain't gonna say, like, technology creates egalitarianism because, well... <laughs> I'm not that pretentious. (laughs) What I will say is that anybody can draw some pictures, scan them into a computer, put them up on Keenspace, and claim that they're a popular comic book artist. (laughs) I'm guilty of this on some level. Everyone is deep down. Everyone looks at comic books and thinks, I can do that. For reasons I don't understand, the same doesn't happen with TV. No one watches Law & Order SVU and thinks, I'm going to film me a rape drama. (laughs) (laughs) But... 
<laughs> everybody reads Avengers and are like, screw that noise, I can do it better. Oh. Get me my number two pencil and some typing paper, Mom. Oh, We're gonna cran my way into Marvel. So... Wait, I, I don't know. I got really bitter midway. I, really? <laughs> so wait, do you not read indie comics, John? I read some indie. No, I mean like I'm talking. I'm talking like your your standard issue internet comic where it's just a long series of in jokes about how like you kind of like girls that look like cats and it's like reading Mystery Science Theater three thousand except way dorkier. And just a sad state of affairs. You can I, find John here on Wednesdays. <laughs> All you internet comic like, people. Like yeah, come get me, you guys. And the championship hero click players <laughs> about a month ago. Together. Like, yeah. Together. With a D twelve at me and show me who's boss. I mean, mother of God. Point is <laughs> there are good indie comics. Right. There are bad professionally published comics. It's the same difference. I'm just frequently shocked that since the era of like, I don't know, Ninja Turtles, everybody's thought self publishing mm. is some kind of golden hole that shoots money out. It's not, you know. Like, right. One out of how many companies succeeds? Chaos Comics pulled off a good run for like six years, and then they went out of business pretty much. You know, serious. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny's turning with it. Had a stroke. <laughs> oh, All right, Brooks. God. What is your feeling on any comics? I can't follow that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that is like. Do you read oh. any? All right. Yeah. I, actually, that was my <laughs> next question: yeah. Is do you guys read indie comics, and if not, why? I read, uh, I don't know, like, the first indie comic where I got into was, like, Mad Man, because I saw it, like, reviewed in Wizard, and it seems, like, really crazy and out there, and it was pretty good, so, I read some, I don't know what you would generally consider indie, I mean, I don't, like, grab comic books off the street and read them. <laughs> 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 I mean, I read some Omi stuff, On, Oni? Oni. Oni? Oni, like, the ogre, whatever, and, uh... I read uh, Bendis and Brubaker's like create our own stuff from uh, from my guns. Yeah, thank you, Ben. No problem. All the indie cred go to Manhattan. I got a big list, <laughs> and I read, of course, Scott Pilgrim. That's right. Oh yeah, because it rocks. Devon, what about you? Do you? Um, I read tons of like quote unquote independent comics. I read uh, local. I. Uh, I read uh, Phonogram, uh, which is by Image, but, you know, it's like, you know, as I've been, like, inputting comics into the system here at the store, um, this thing is just kind of, like, you know, sort of, like, dawned on me. What is an independent right. comic nowadays? Mm. You know, it's like, I'm sitting there and I'm typing in all this stuff from Dynamite Comics. They're a publishing and, company now. Yeah, they're a publishing yeah. company, but mm. they are an independent comic book publisher. Mike Marvel. Um but yeah, yeah, yeah. and that—that's the thing. It's mm. like they—they they have all these licenses, like Painkiller Jane. They have uh, Battlestar Galactica. They have the Lone Ranger. They have the Boys. They uh, just picked up the Man with No Name, a Clint Eastwood property, um, or some some movie uh, studio property, and they're still considered an independent comic. But it's like, no, these books are going to sell in like yeah. the tens of thousands. And it's just like, so what is an independent comic now? It's like as the smaller presses get a, a greater capacity and get more renowned, you have to turn to things like Comic Express, which mm. is a website which is anybody sends them a disc, pays them like a buck ninety-five an issue to print out, and you have your own web, your own comic, nice paper stuff quality, and I mean that's an independent right there. Mm. It's Cafe Press is making comic books. Basically, print I mean, t-shirts. It's the damnedest thing. For people too lazy, <laughs> go to FedEx Kinkos. Right. <laughs> no, I mean it's basically you know that's what you're doing. So every you know, and everyone and every different comic is a new press and all this stuff. And hmm. interesting. Well, I mean, when you I mean everyone's if you I mean I've you know just done like, like a crapshoot. I've just well, see, said I got ten bucks to burn. I'll buy five comics. Yeah. Well, see to me that's well I don't get paid what you did, so I can't afford to do things like that. I, ten it's one, bucks. One of the reasons that I don't. I don't want to buy the pizza. Um, and the solid gold rocket ship. That's what we fly here on. I have I to get here something. something. Um, but, um, I mean, mostly the only indie thing I really read is Action Phosphorus because that's really the only thing that looks good when you're wearing a magenta monocle, yeah, monocle and a smoking jacket. Thank you, John. <laughs> but, um, you know, but that's wonderful. And to me, like, one thing that I absolutely adore like that 
you know, that justifies but, a whole industry of other stuff that I don't read. The reason you know what you're going to ask. The reason I don't read more indie indie stuff is because to me, that is not what comic books are for. For me, right? Mm-hmm. For me, comic books supply my emotional need for myth, and for a lot of people, that's what comics are. They supply myth in our society, which is very important for people. Um, that's squeaky, squeaky, clean the monocle, pop <laughs> I will get you. It's like, I know. you know, you're on the outside of the rocket ship tonight. Okay. I'm going to be hanging off that tail. Okay. Okay. It's going to suck. Um, but, um, no, really. And, and anything which doesn't contribute to, to a larger mythos uh, really doesn't satisfy me, John. Roaring um, fire popping before. <laughs> <laughs> be, you know, because it's just a one-shot thing. It's just a story. It, it's like it, it's like I would rather watch a television series than just like a one-shot after-school special. I think that's a bad me- metaphor, but you know what I'm saying, right? Right. Mm. And and you know, you and I have had many conversations about how our approach to comics is different. Because I'm a huge indie fan, going all the way back from like. Fire and Press when they did Scud, which I thought was a great comic. It was more lighthearted. It was more zany than anything that Marvel and DC were putting out. It is the ultimate even slapstick, and it's the ultimate comic. right. It's the it's ultimate fourteen-year-old comic, yeah. and it hit twenty issues and like bankrupted in a month. Yep. Um, <laughs> and like the tick never finished. Right, the like. tick never finished. I mean, I have stuff going back to Only Two in One, yeah. like back in ninety-seven, which got its start. Its first first Only Two in One was a Jay and Silent Bob story. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have some of the great stuff that is now being published. It's now bi- a big deal. Bone. Blue Monday started <laughs> in Only Two in One. Bone was an independent yeah, comic. Uh, I remember when I was working in Borders with like Johnny Ryan, who does like Angry Youth Comics, and he was literally like you know drawing the things at work. Right. Well. We should have been working, but um, and he would walk over to Kinko's and he would like actually like get these things printed up. So to me, that's an independent comic, right? Absolutely. Right. And right. I mean, like, and I'll tell you the one co- one of the only comics that I that I got from Comic Express that was halfway decent was this comic called Andy Number One. That's my that's my plug for this guy, Bohemia Comics, and it was enjoyable read. It was you know, and it's what in, in some ways what any comic should be or. You know, a lot of them are, which is like dealing with everyday issues, stuff that you don't get a lot in superhero comics. I don't read a lot of independent superheroes because the the big two kind of have that yeah, they got that locked, that got that locked down. Yeah. So I turn for me, I turn to indie comics for more for more personal stories that you're not getting, mm-hmm. and eventually those. Jensen yeah, Creature Tech by Doug Tenapple, which yeah. was a, a, you know an exploration of faith using like an alien symbiote. Um, the flight anthology series that yep. Valentine puts out is beautiful. Um, so it's, I mean, that's why I, t- that, you know, you'd turn to it for myth, but I think, but it all has to have started somewhere. You can find mythic elements 50 years down the road. If you're still getting graphic novels of Scott Pilgrim, people are going to go, man, look at the slacker in myth. <laughs> you know? Yes. The slacker <laughs> in myth. Yes. Jack Knight. <laughs> he's the best. <laughs> I love Jack Knight too. Of course he did. Because he's, he's a course. I quote movies. Um, wow. Ben knows more about independent comics than the four of us put together. <laughs> Girl comics and indies. Damn right. He does. After he this, I'm going to swoop my hair forward and listen to some modest mouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> the December. Well, no, wait. But. <laughs> no. Okay. Rolling the lint off my corduroy blazer. You're just oh, like giving us all wardrobe <laughs> today. Yes. That's because Carrie comes naked to this thing. <laughs> That's all why I sit around. over at the bottom of the All right, now, uh, uh, okay, I, I've revealed, you know, I like action philosophers. That's exactly what I want from an indie comic. That's why I read it. They're gonna, they're gonna shut up. Something from, edgy. No, from an indie comic. Oh. <laughs> and they're gonna come up with action presidents, and that's gonna be cool. And I'm gonna read that too. What is it that you guys are looking for specifically that you would like to see in an indie comic that you're probably not gonna get for the big two? That's more, what. A more human story. Mm. The, the, when you have icons, it's harder to explore them as individuals. And when we try to explore them as like individual humans, think of Brian Azzarello and Jim Lee's run on Superman. Mm-hmm. Everyone, like, it really looked at him. Must I? 
Right, you make a snarly face, like 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 I just put a diaper under your nose. <laughs> but I actually didn't I hate my monocle. Yeah, that's right. If it were that an independent comic with a character that wasn't called Superman, Superman it would have been really. It it's been a it's a, it's a super powerful being turning to a priest for guidance. That's interesting. Yeah. That and it was exploring kind of where do I fit in? Yeah. But the issue was up against was that everyone's looking at it going, like, this doesn't fit in continuity. Like, exactly. Like, this happen? And if you were dealing with a character called, like, Super Guy, right. it wouldn't have been up against that hurdle. Yeah. Right. It would have been a solid book. Yeah. It, it, that's the problem with dealing you know, with it. I, it's funny that you said that, because the minute that you said, how does it fit, the only way that, like, it mm. fit for me was when someone finally mentioned the OMAC project. And yeah. I was like, okay, now it's in continuity. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. When you're dealing with the big two, you're dealing with, oh. like, 40 years of constant uh, right. mythos. It's, it's, and, it's, yeah. it's I can't, you, it, you can do things with project. an independent that you cannot do with a, with a big, with a mainstream comic because of the baggage, because of the iconography that comes with it. Because of the people going, Spider-Man wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, that's what independent comics are good for. And I think on that's what independent comics are good for. We're going to end this uh, discussion. I mean, I, um, I thought that was a good, you know, thumbs up, you know, good statement. I wasn't oppressively negative for once. I know. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you get to ride on um, the inside of the rock. That's right. <laughs> I can breathe on the way home. Right. Uh, now it's time for a dramatic reading and then a word from our sponsor. Not much to tell. I've always been a newspaper man, but I haven't always been Ed Raymond. My name used to be Rockwell. Fifteen years back, I testified against a mobster named Shine. His people killed my wife in revenge. My boy and I entered a government witness protection program. Our names were changed. We left New York. Ronnie didn't know the truth then. He was too young. A few years ago, we came back. Shine found out, tried to have me killed, and died in a gun battle with the police. So, all's well that ends well. Just another episode of Father Knows Best. That was Ed Raymond from The Fury of Firestorm, number 35. Big Monkey Comics has two fantastic stores. One located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and one in Washington, D.C., which is where this podcast is recorded. If you have any interest in the comics mentioned in today's show, simply swing on by and pick them up. And join us at our D.C. location on the weekend of August 4th and 5th for our annual Dog Days Sidewalk Sale. We'll have incredible savings for you on toys, statues, and even trade paperbacks for as low as $2. And that Saturday afternoon, we're having a Heroclix tournament for all you new fans of the game. That's 1722B, 14th Street. Hope to see you there. Also, Big Monkey Comics is pleased to say that the Women's Comic Discussion Group is now held on the first and third Wednesdays of every month at 7 p.m. To celebrate this, make sure to tune in next week as we sit down with guest panelist Tori Tyree, coordinator of the group, and get her views on Black Canary and explore comic books from the new reader's perspective. And if you can't make it to our physical location, visit Big Monkey online at www.bigmonkeycomics.com for news, reviews, merchandise, and Big Monkey Radio. Big Monkey Comics, where comics are more fun than ever. Now it's time for recommendations, where we take the opportunity to point out comics that have come out in the last few weeks that have struck us as exceptional. And we're going to start with uh, Devon. Uh, I'm going to say Jonah Hex, just because it's just consistently good, and if someone would have told me that, you know, my black self would be loving the adventures of an ex-Confederate soldier running, like, roughshod across, like, you know, America, I'd tell them, oh, hell no. And uh, the latest issue is just incredible, where at the end, men have to choose whether or not they're going to catch bullets from Jonah Hex or brave the fire. They choose the fire. (laughs) Um, And then my next recommendation is going to be, believe it or not, the immortal Iron Fist. It's just, if you just want flat-out action, just none better than that and there are Brooklyn head butts in there <laughs> um, and then finally as a trade paperback Uncle Sam and the Freedom Fighters if you want to know what comics can do make you think and entertain at the same time read that uh, skip Brave and the Bold because um, I love Batman and I love the Legion of Superheroes 
And the only thing I love better than those two is watching Batman beat the crap out of the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> oh, God. Is there any way you can reform Triple Girl now without breaking all my bones? <laughs> <laughs> at, at, it, it, was, it was a treat. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, Carrie, Brave and the Bold came out and I missed it. Oh God! <laughs> we'll get you. Started we'll pulling get you that. Um, I'm gonna say the Invincible trade that came out a couple weeks ago because Invincible is one of the most consistently good titles coming out. It's a shame that I only read it in trade, but you know I'm one of those people ruining the industry for the rest of you. <laughs> and Sight Unseen, I'm gonna say the Order might be a good bet given that it's Matt Fraction and Barry Kitson. That's a hell of a lineup to have on a book. Hmm. Uh, Brooks. I'm recommending World War Hulk just for the simple fact that Pac really tries to like put all the stories in the time frame and it's like something that Civil War was god awful at <laughs> so I'm just like I'm proud of Pac so, thank and the you. initiative man this week's initiative this is my recommendation sorry dude so, <laughs> I'm just jumping <laughs> off of it and I'm also going to recommend Action Comics because it stars Jimmy Olsen and Superman, the amazing transformations of Jimmy Olsen trade, because Jimmy Olsen rocks. I don't care what any of you have to say. And I'm looking at all four of you. I don't care what you say. <laughs> and we're looking back at you. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to recommend uh, Supergirl. It was Joe Kelly's last issue. And I'll admit, mm. when Kelly started his run, I had a real hard time with it. Like, I didn't quite get the point of it, and it it just didn't click for me. And then over maybe the last six issues or so, I, it really started to come together, and in this issue, she's flying around, apologizing to people, kind of touching on every character that she's interacted with during Kelly's run, and it was brilliant. It's like exactly what comics should have been. All this superhero stuff for like six, six or seven months, and then, and then like heartfelt resolution. It was great. Ben, can I add one more? Because none sure. of us mentioned Justice Society. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh um, yeah. God yeah. Which, Nazi beaten up. I mean, I have I saw nothing in the entire JLA run about what that made me see why Black Canary was leading the Justice League. No offense to her. Um, I saw immediately in one issue in Justice Society why Power Girl is leading it, yeah. and I fell in love with her and I cried. I cried. No, it was beautiful. And Devon beautiful. loves the fact that uh, Hawkman was wearing a wing mask. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> while welding. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the toy for this Christmas season. <laughs> Hawkman with welding mask. I'm getting that for my hypothetical future children. <laughs> Hell, I'm getting it for Devon. <laughs> Everybody in the store gets one. That's your bonus. <laughs> I didn't even get paid. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for recommendations. Uh, in just a second, we'll come back with uh, the lightning round. And now it's time for the lightning round, where we answer questions submitted by listeners like you. Um, our first question is uh, from Brad, and the question is, you can switch one hero into a villain permanently, and one villain into a hero also permanently. Who do you switch and why? And we're going to start with Brooks. Uh, a villain into a hero? I don't know. Um, God, it's... Deja vu. I had like problems with this question before when someone asked. I just can't remember when that was. Uh, I don't know. I don't really think most villains should become heroes because you need villains. Then he's pretty much badass all the way. But I'm gonna say, just out of shot in the dark, as I look at the comics that came out, uh, Doctor Octopus. I don't know. He came without wit in his hero click, so I don't care. Uh, I want a hero without wit in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> just no, Black Panther! And, uh, I don't know, for a hero to villain, I'm going to say Jesus. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Took mine! Fair enough! Is he an in comic? He's the Aquarian in Marvel. Oh, he's got <laughs> yes, he is! I just said that! <laughs> he's got his own book. Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hero hey. into a villain, huh? Um... Oh, Dr. Polaris. The guy's got multiple personalities to begin with. You just flip him over and have him go crazy. There aren't nearly enough He's magnetic... Dead. Huh? He's dead. Yeah, that's stopping people. <laughs> They're dead in the comic book. Yeah. They died in the Bible, too. That didn't stop them. I mean... Jeez. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, God, there's the angry letter. Yeah, Jesus has got his own series. <laughs> angry letter for the week, right? All right, Christians, <laughs> along with people who produce indie comics... 
<laughs> and no, Hero Clicks players come beat him up. Not any comics. Web comics. Suddenly the odds have changed. All right. Skip. We're skipping. The Martian Manhunter, because I just always think he's been batshit crazy. Um, Can we and say I think that? he would be a great. <laughs> uh, and I think he's. he's yeah. Why haven't I been? Lightning round. Anyway, I think he's going to be. Uh, he would be a great villain. Um, and as uh, for villains turning into heroes, I have to agree with Johnny. I wouldn't turn any of them because we need every decent villain we can get. And if you play Heroclix, you know why. No. Fair enough. Devon? Um, hero into villain. Um. Orion. Orion would, mm. I think, would make an awesome, awesome, awesome villain if he suddenly just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stop trying to be nice and just decided to go bat, you know what. <laughs> um, yeah, I would love to see that. And as for, um, let's see, villain into, well, I'll have two villains in the heroes, actually. Um, I think Plastic Man is a villain again would be just incredible because uh, at one point in time a lot of people forget that he was uh, public enemy number one and you know who currently occupies public enemy number one right now? Osama Bin Laden and I'm not like saying you know Plastic Man is Osama Bin Laden but you know you gotta put in some work to be public enemy number one and Plastic Man has done that Fair enough <laughs> Maybe they could have a team up versus yeah. one of the <laughs> um, Chuck Dixon right. <laughs> For a racially sensitive portrayal. <laughs> villain. Uh, let's see. Hero and the villain, it wouldn't take a big step, but I, Moon Knight. I think Moon Knight, as a villain who just walks around tearing people up, driven by the god of vengeance, would be a sweet, you know, sweet comic. Um, as for, uh, what is that? That was hero and villain. Villain and the hero... Uh, the Joker. I really like the idea. I said this before. I really like the. I was stoked when I saw the Jokester. I thought he'd make a really. I was like, that is brilliant. You know, a great screwed up hero because you know maybe he does think he's being a hero. He's like, hey, heroes burn people with acid, <laughs> and that's brilliant. Um, so for our next question, it comes from Nate, and the question is: Is Busiek just writing Astro City on his run for Superman? I'm going to start with Skip. Uh. No, because I like his run on Superman. <laughs> okay. And you hate you hated Astro City? Yeah. All right. called a burn unit. <laughs> okay, second question. Also, follow-up question to that is... Uh, we're not even going to, like... <laughs> it's just like, how can you answer to no? Like, <laughs> no. Yes, he is. No. What flavor is the pie that a tr- prankster hit Superman with? Brooks, I'm gonna say it was apple because it's ironic. Devon, uh, it was one of Ma Kent's rhubarb pies. Uh, oh. Nope, lemon meringue. Every comedian uses a lemon meringue pie. That stings, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why. It's kryptonite pie. For our final question for the lightning round, um, it comes from Sven Seven. It's a lemon kryptonite. <laughs> tastes like cancer. It's sour. Awesome. <laughs> sour cancer. Oh my sorry, God. Sorry, sorry. All right, last question, Sven Seven. What are you guys' perceptions of your performances as bloggers versus as talk radio panelists? I just to say I like being called a panelist. It makes me feel like I should put on like some big boy pants with like suspenders <laughs> or something. <laughs> Devon? A- any pants would do. <laughs> I know. No, stop doing these damn things pantsless. <laughs> um, am I a better... Um, I think I'm a better blogger than I am a panelist. Uh, just for the simple fact that I don't like hearing the sound of my own voice. And when I talk, I'm always amazed that something semi-coherent comes out. Whereas when I write, I can actually go back and say, Yo, <laughs> That sounded kind of dope. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. Skip. Uh, yeah, it's much easier for me to be remotely coherent in uh, on paper than it is in person. But I have to say, it is a lot more fun to be able to interact yeah. with other bloggers. Uh, Carrie? Well, I'm apparently a way bigger jerk out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's become badly obvious. And I'm apparently a better typist with a couple beers in me as opposed to a blogger. So, <laughs> I'm going to go with blogger, I guess. 
Brooks? I said it before. I rock in print and I rock out loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair yeah, enough. Son. I'd say I stutter less when I'm typing. <laughs> My S keys stuck. That's right. <laughs> but I think I might be a little funnier talking. I don't know. I always try to write jokes on my blog and they come out later on. I'm like, oh, God, what was I thinking? <laughs> That's not funny. I'd be a lot better podcaster if I could scan pictures into my paragraphs. Oh. <laughs> Man, Central City's enormous. <laughs> Damn right. All right. On that note, that's all for our show today. If you have any questions, comments, or dramatic readings for the show, go ahead and send them to Ben at BigMonkeyComics.com. Also, I'm in- introducing a contest. We're looking for a new theme song. If you got the musical talent, create a song between 30 seconds and one minute long to play at the show's introduction. If, you're sh- if your song is uh, selected, I'll personally buy you a Big Monkey shirt. Oh. Uh, and I'll sign it. And Devon will all sign it. <laughs> I'll do something to it. <laughs> I'll send you a monocle. Thanks again. I might wear it. And have a good evening. <laughs>